For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on, Sooner football fans? Thank you all for tuning in to the official Sooners 360 roundtable. It is the bowl game season wrap-up. Team 128 in the books. No more of that. We're on to Team 129. We're jumping into the offseason, but we felt it only appropriate that we get the full gang here together to do essentially a uh, season and bowl season autopsy. So we've got Matt Burns, sort of a leader of the Sooners 360 mothership, if you will. The data man himself, Kyle Dahlgren, a.k.a. Dolly. We've got Caleb Cummings, the offensive line extraordinaire. Anything and everything having to do with the offensive line. Guy knows his stuff. We've got former Sooner wide receiver and national champ. You guys know him from the Barry and Mac show, Mr. Damian Mackey. And lead recruiting analyst for Sooners 360, Mr. Chris Mason. Guys. Sooners off of a uh, kind of a, a gut-wrenching loss, if you will, because the Sooners played pretty well. Um, if you're listening, you obviously tuned into the Cheez-It Bowl, got to see the, the cheesiest of all the bowls, but the play on the field wasn't all that cheesy. The, the Sooners went out, and it was essentially, I, I've heard this uttered before, so this is a bit of in, intellectual theft. But it felt a little bit like a microcosm of the whole season. When, the, when OU was good, they were good. When OU was not good, it was not good. But we got to see a few new faces. Maybe not as many as we wanted. But overall, it, it still felt like another step in a direction where we kind of feel like we know where this thing is heading. But there are definitely still some questions out there. So I'm going to throw it over to to Chris first. Uh, Chris, let's talk positives from this game. What did you take out of this game? What does it mean on the recruiting front, if anything? What what were some of your impressions? Well, first off, I want to give the team props. Because when we did our last round table, I was pretty negative on OU's chances in this game. I. I thought OU was going was to lose by about you know seventeen points, something in that range. So I was really impressed that the team played really hard. That Brett still had the team focused, and they once again had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter, if 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 for a player to. But I think from a from my recruiting standpoint, the biggest positive was I'm going to steal this before anybody else has a chance. It's it's the two running backs, um, the play of Gavin Sawchuck, the play of Javante Barnes. Um, was was fantastic. Those two running backs replacing Eric Gray, who'd had a fantastic season. So I think going into next season, the running back position looks great. I don't think you need to spend a portal position on a running back. Uh, we've got two additional running backs coming into coming into spring ball and rolling early. 
I think you let the the young pups eat. And I think that was the the biggest overall positive is that we lost Eric Gray. Gray had a fantastic season, third thousand yard uh, thousand yard rusher. We've now had back to back to back really good running back performances under Demarco Murray, and it's obvious he can coach the young pups too. Matt, let, let, let's swing it over to you. Well, what were your some of your takeaways, and then uh, Kyle right after. Well, Chris Stoll, Sawchuck, I mean, he looked great in his first real game. Uh, I think maybe the biggest positive, uh, I was watching a little bit more of the game today. I think overall, it was the first time all season we kind of looked like a complete football team, top to bottom. Now, you know, the, the players on defense, we still don't have what we need. Uh, the players on offense, um, we've got Dylan Gabriel and then a couple guys that is Mims moving on, is he not, stuff like that. But throughout all those questions, you had a hard-fought game from a football team that looked like a complete team. I think that was very refreshing. I think the pace of the game was a little bit better than we've seen all season. The physicality was a little bit better than we've seen. It just seemed like everybody out there fighting hard and really cared about what performance they put out there on the field. I thought that was a great positive. Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll kind of piggyback off Chris where he's got the running back, but who's opening the holes for those guys? I mean, the offensive line I thought was a really nice positive considering you're missing four of the traditional starters, even though, you know, uh, Conjol had played a little bit of center the last several games. Um, but same like Matt was saying, the physicality of them, you know, the the finishing blocks that just kind of being nasty that we saw back with the, you know, the the award-winning lines of you know 2017, 18 timeframe where they're finishing guys, you know, eight, nine yards downfield. Bird had some mental errors, you know, got the touchdown call back on the hold that we've even discussed. Was it really a hold or not? But I mean, it's just like you saw them shoving guys around, creating big holes. Um, Guyton, I thought looked awesome against an NFL, um, guy in verse, you know, it's like, it stinks that Sexton went out so early. We'll have to see early signs don't look good, but you know, it's like young pups coming in, being ready to go. I think we're getting back to the good old days of Bill Beanbug looking like his old offensive lines with, uh, with coach Schmidt instead of, uh, the, uh, Tybo instructor that went out West. Kyle, you're an absolute pro, man, because that is a fantastic segue uh, to what I wanted to ask Caleb about. Caleb, what we, I, I know me and Damian talked about it on the on the show leading up, uh, the absolute just test this was going to be for the Sooners um, against Florida State, where we ballyhooed their defensive front. We said they got guys that were NFL guys. OU was going to be playing some players who haven't played much all season, Bird, Park, Sexton, others. Um, what did you take away from how the line performed? Was it as good? Was it as bad? Well, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I would say it was far better than I expected. I don't think I anticipated. I did not anticipate them running for over 250 yards against that defensive front with a team that has got NFL guys that did not have anyone opt out. 
And not only did they not have anyone opt out, they were openly talking about how important this bowl game was to the program and for them to build on that. So for Oklahoma to roll out with Parks, who's never played significant snaps, Bird, who's really never played significant snaps, uh, Matoyer in a new position, and you're playing Guyton, who has played a decent amount this year, but you know what is that? Maybe his fourth start. Uh, and for them to do what they did, and then quite honestly, the, my biggest takeaway was just overall physicality. Oklahoma was by far the more physical team, uh, and I thought it was. It's definitely something that you can build on, especially for guys like Parks and Bird. They can go back and we'll look at that tape and say, man, when I do it right, when I do what I'm coached to do, when I get my ass down, right, when I come off the ball, when I bring my hands, you know, when I play with leverage, I can beat anybody. That guy's going to play on Sundays, and I whipped him, you know. So that's that's something those guys can build on going into, into 23. I think that's huge. Damien, well, with you, I want to move to the other side of the ball. I mean, you have been critical on our show. You've been critical on 360. You've given credit when credit is due. But the the Sooners came out with some different looks. They had guys playing some different positions. We saw a couple fresh faces in the secondary. Maybe not as many as I think fans would have expected or wanted. Uh, Talk a little bit about some of the, the different things you saw in this game that that probably were in part because it was a bowl game. Venables did have that ability to to prep, right? You were around when he was coaching. Uh, what were you thinking? You know, I look at it. Barry, there's two things that that immediately come to mind for me that I I um, that I'm optimi- optimistic about. Number one is I saw 28 playing a ton of Mike and playing the position well. He played downhill. He had correct angles. He was inside out. He was getting across the face of the ball carrier so he could stop them in their tracks versus just leaning, you know, from the waist. Um, made me feel good about what he's going to be doing next year, especially with the addition of some of the guys coming in, including the pups, the red shirts, and McCullough coming in. So I, I, I'm looking at 28, and I'm like, man, that looks good, right? And obviously, um, something that was different that we weren't accustomed to in that same vein is two, two with substantially less snaps. Right. There were a lot of packages they had on where they were in a six pack or they were in a dime coverage and they had six DBs on the field or they were in, you know, two backer sets and two played on the end a couple plays and then two was on the sideline a couple plays. And I think that is kind of a forecast and a foreshadow for what is to come because he's got another year potentially to play ball. But it, it felt really good to see Bowman back healthy, uh, hauling ass with the pig. He, he's, he's, he was, had a couple run-throughs on rundowns. I mean, he had a key tackle third quarter to get a stop, um, played well. And, you know, it was interesting to see Holden. He kind of uh, he kind of took a step back. There were a couple of plays in that game, third and medium, third and long, and the coverage was there, and he's giving away the yard marker. And you could see Coach V at the play. They catch the ball. They run a 10-yard comeback, or they make a 10-yard out, or, you know, they were doing different deals to get to the yard marker. and and make the play, you could see Coach V immediately run to him and say, hey, man, don't give that up. And then, of course, we see Bowman. What does he do? In fact, 25 does it to third and short, third and four, third and five. They're running the five-yard hitch. 25 sits on it and, and makes a great break on a ball where, you know, he makes his token one play of the game. And, by the way, we needed it. So shoot, uh, salute to him for that. But on defense, you know, I didn't anticipate a, a ton of changes because I really believed he wanted to win that game. 
And because I knew he wanted to believe win that game in year one, when the level of trust has not been, there aren't, there hasn't been a ton of time for new faces to show that they can do what they're expected to do. So I didn't expect wholesale changes in a game where he knows 25 knows where to line up. He knows 23 knows where to line up. He knows, you know, 28, two, and some of those other guys, the DNs, they know where to be. And he didn't want to risk giving up a bust and potentially, you know, putting us down 7, 14, 17 points at the very beginning of the game. Because like we said, when we spoke on the pregame show, how we came out the gates was going to be very important to how that game ended up happening. And sure enough, we get the lead and we have momentum and our guys feel good about themselves, right? I mean, I'm talking about defense, but look at your boy DG, right? He, you could tell his emotions were running and, and you know, obviously he made some stuff happen to, because he has some momentum on his side. But defensively, there's a lot of, there's a lot of help coming. We recruited well. Uh, we're doing some good things in the portal. Expect to do a couple of more things in the portal. And some of the younger guys who we are all chomping at the bit to see who have more length, more speed, more burst, um, they're going to be spotlighted next in, here in the fall. I mean, here in the spring, it, they're going to have their opportunity literally in the next two months, starting in off season to, to make a name for themselves. So optimism, I'm just not a moral victory kind of guy. We lost the freaking game. Six and seven just looks foreign to me. I'm pissed off that we have a bigger number in the loss column than the win column. It's never happened since Bob Stoops came, and, and it's something that we need to make sure never happens again. Man, I'll just echo where uh, where Chris started this. You know, Gavin Sawchuk and, uh, and Javante Barnes, you know, Barnes having played a, a lot more th- this year, Sawchuk really seeing his first action really at all. Uh, but OU did, uh, they tweeted out something interesting today. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, in yesterday's game, uh, Javante Barnes had 108. Sawchuck, right at the century mark, became the first OU freshman pair with at least 100 yards rushing in the same game since quarterback Eric Mitchell and Leon Perry did it in 1985. So a little blast from the past. Uh, You guys touched on some players who had had some good games, right? We kind of heard some names in there, maybe some names some people didn't expect. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you again, and this sort of goes into the recruiting class coming in, the 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 potential portal targets. What do we think of of some of the players who I want to kind of phrase this in a different way? We know a lot of these guys are some of them are leaving, whether transferring out, uh, whether just graduating and moving on. What were some of the spots? of guys who are likely going to stick around where you still look and say, man, I I think there's some serious deficiency there that they could be depth guys, but in order for OU to take that step, you know, to compete for championships, this has got to be addressed. Uh, What spots uh, come to mind for you? Well, I'm going to kind of steal something. I I feel like, I don't know who's replacing Braden Willis, and that kind of scares me with the offense a little bit. Um, he had another really good game. He's kind of been probably the best performing overall senior, maybe on the team. So I'm a little worried about what's going on there, and I, I really hope the 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 rejuvenation of Austin Stogner is 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 a hit because we've seen nothing really from Llewellyn and Helms. So. That would be my biggest 
biggest concern right now would be would be the tight end spot. Interesting, Matt, and then uh, the, then Kyle. I want to move to you guys um, at the skill positions. But do we feel that there's any significant upgrades that that need to happen? And then Caleb, after that, I want want to touch on that with you, just along the offensive mm-hmm. line. Just what are some areas where where OU has to get these addressed in a hurry for those steps to be taken? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll twin kind of what what Chris is saying about um, being a little thin on the tight end uh, in the tight end room. Who's going to step up and take those catches? Well, it's you know I'm a little worried about the wide receivers too. You know who else is going to step up? The latest, you know, we're we're kind of hearing that Mims might be moving on to the NFL draft. There's no official word on that yet. But assuming he does leave, uh, I thought Farouk looked pretty good yesterday. He's looked uh, good in a couple different games this year. You know, you hope that that kind of guy can take a step in his third year. But then coming in after that, there's a whole lot of unknown. There's a lot of potential. Uh, we've got a couple guys coming in in the class, like Keon Brown, who has all the tools to be a superstar. Um, you have Petaway coming in as well. Unfortunately, he's not coming in until late spring, early summer. So he'll he'll be a little bit behind, but I'm a little worried about who's going to be catching balls next year. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think wide receiver is riskier than running back. We're just looking at skill position just because we've seen the young guys do it at running back, frankly. I mean, that's something that I feel like we were all pretty disappointed this year that during the summer and, you know, maybe fall camp, you're you're seeing the, you know, highlight catches from guys like Gibson or, um, you know, hearing good reports on Nick Anderson and, um, you know, unfortunately getting the, the family injury gene, it seems like. Uh, for him as well so it's like who of the young guys you know really contributed to where you kind of saw that light at the end of the tunnel it's like oh okay if Mims leaves you know we kind of know who's stepping up you know Farouk took a step as a sophomore could he be a, one, a number one you know I, I think so they definitely show the willingness to move him around like they do getting him in the backfield and, and things like that but and do we have the speed guy um, you know no big wide receiver has really taken that traditional role in the levy offense here. Weiss was so inconsistent. So you you were kind of hoping one of the young bucks would go or even somebody like uh, Hester from Mizzou. But I don't know. It just seemed like we had the opportunity to get some some rotations going. And, and maybe that kind of shows some of the, the lack of experience in their position coach getting changed out right before the season. And you know, LaDamian Washington not being as ready to to go with young guys versus kind of trusting the old vet. So I, it just seemed like so much in flux that just needs to kind of get ironed out in the spring um, because, yeah, running back, you feel, you got to feel good with your two freshmen after last night. Um, you'll add a couple more. I think depth could be the concern just of how, you know, depth of experience, we'll say. But you at least feel good with those two guys at least leading the way. We've talked about some of these young guys. So are there young guys on the line that you think can step up and, and make a difference? I think there are, but I think we probably saw one of them get injured last night as well, uh, which puts, you know, a little bit more risk on it. You know, uh, really was hoping to get an idea uh, with Sexton. You know, he's a big, strong, really long, 
uh, athletic kid, you know, when you followed him in high school, every time you saw him, he was just getting better and better and better. Uh, and then it was kind of rave reviews coming out of camp and for him to get injured that, that hurts, uh, you know, but he, I think inside, I think the hope there is a guy like Jake Taylor uh, and another one who he's young, I suppose, in terms of the snaps that he's gotten, but uh, he's really going into his third year now, which is savvy on bird. I think everyone saw last night, right. When he's on, uh, when it's, you know, in his wheelhouse, what he's comfortable doing, he can dominate folks. Uh, you know, when you get out some of the other things, like, you know, climbing to the second level and angles uh, as it relates to, you know, second level defenders, I think that's where experience is going to come in, where he's not out of position, where he's reaching and grabbing and holding. Kind of saw that early in the year, maybe why he wasn't playing. Uh, but, you know, I, I think those, those are, you know, he's in a tough spot there because the offensive line classes have not been big the last few years. So they're going to have to rely on the portal. You know, and there are there's some good guys out there. You know, I, I know Oklahoma is looking to get in the Stanford offensive tackle, uh, Walter Rouse. I think he started the last two and a half, maybe the last three seasons at left tackle for Stanford. He's been a good player, uh, you know, and so I think Oklahoma is probably on his short list. It seems he's, he's been holding off so he can make a visit uh, to Oklahoma. And then it sounds like there's some interest for another uh, from the other coast, right? So the right coast there would be Logan Taylor, big left tackle, uh, just finished this, essentially his redshirt freshman year, started uh, all games at, at tackle for for Virginia. I think Oklahoma's going to have to find uh, probably at least no less than two uh, portal guys. You know, I mean, a perfect world, one of those guys can swing inside as well. But I think that's maybe where a guy like Aaron Parks gives you some flexibility. Uh, the play both tackle and could swing inside and give you some guard reps as well. Damien, you uh, we've been fairly critical of DG uh, over the this past season, but l- last night he had some bright moments. I know in our text today we were talking about a couple of the the positives that he had in that game. He made a couple good throws, was pretty decisive in the first half. Is OU going to have a a quarterback competition? this uh this offseason is it going to be a legitimate possibility that OU rolls out somebody different uh well where are we standing on that with Jackson Arnold coming in so early there should I think there's 100% going to be the opportunity for him to own that position and just knowing the inner workings of the program and how things work uh there there's never a position where like you're cemented. I mean, if you're Rocky Calmus and you're coming back as the Buckus or you're Roy Williams and you're the Thorpe pointer, right? I mean, clearly you are the man, but even still, you, it's what have you done for me lately? That's just the way it is. I don't, you do. You, you, you got to show up every day. And so with, with DG playing the way he played all season, by the way, he did make some good throws. I don't care what you guys say. That double post was thrown on time. He just has a B minus arm. That's a good throw he makes on that play. That's an inside joke. But uh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, I watched that thing like ten times. I'm like, nope. The guy flipped his hips. He threw the ball. Good, you know, good, good timing. But no, in all seriousness, Jackson Arnold has to come in with the mentality that that position is his. And like we've talked about this on the pod, there's a there's a there's a mentality of hoping, and then there's a mentality of of earning. And Jackson just strikes me as the type of kid who he's going to come in there and be humble and say all the right things, and he's going to get after Dylan's ass. On, on on the squat rack. 
And and I know how Schmitty is. By the way, I, I you know I talked to some of my buddies who are still up there. Schmitty does the same things he did when we were there. When Jay Norm and me were both slot receivers going or our sophomore year, we lifted together. Which by the way doesn't make sense. Totally different body makeups, long arms, 6'3", 5'11", 230, 190, right? Like we don't, but you know why we lifted together? Because Schmitty made us compete every freaking rep. We have CODs. Oh, I'm kicking Jay Norm's ass. We're doing sleds. God damn it. I hate you, Jay Norm, because he's pulling that mother, you know, 30% faster than me, right? And so what it did is it, it forced both of us to address our weaknesses and see where the other had strengths. And if I know Schmitty, which I'm telling you right now, I talk to people who talk to him daily, that ain't going to change. So let's just say J.A. comes in, Jackson comes in, and in, the, and in the spring, I would presume D.G. starts the first practice and probably even up to the spring game as the starting quarterback. I guarantee you he's a different player because it's not the same quarterback room where he's got, you know, booty and bevel or whatever, you know, jags. All over the place, and, and no disrespect, we're Sooners. I love them. Why right? there's a certain there's a certain quality of being a Sooner and, and, and being in the red room and all that good stuff. But at the same time, it is what it is. We can't. We're, damn it, we're a blue blood, and, and we got to call guys what they are and stop holding people's feelings and emotions and all that stuff. That's at the end of the day, Coach V's gone if he doesn't win. So Coach V needs to put the best guy in a position who's going to help him win. And I want to say this: I'm not as worried about receivers as you guys are because. I played for Josh Heupel and then for Nate Hibble and then for Jason White. And you know what the difference was? When we had Josh Heupel, all of a sudden the receivers were all good. When Nate came, I loved him to death. All of a sudden the receivers sucked. And then Jason White came and all of a sudden the receivers were good again. The common denominator is when you have a quarterback who can deliver the ball because they are a point guard, you don't need to have A.J. Green and, and, and uh, you know, C.D. Lamb. I think the caliber of kid we had now, don't get, don't get me, don't get it twisted. We need to go out there and get some alpha dogs. But if what I'm hearing is correct, a lot of the issues we have with, you know, ancillary receivers not getting the ball and not showing what they can do is because the quarterback can't get it to them. And I experienced that. I remember knowing Priest not when I was going to get a ball because, you know, I had run this play a million times with Josh. And then the very next season, we're running the same stuff with Nate. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, he's we all know where the ball is supposed to go and he doesn't. Not his fault, but just a different guy. And so. I look at Dylan, I look at Jackson, you, you just see what they bring to the table, the explosion, the arm talent, the leadership and the moxie that we just have waited and waited and waited and waited to see Dylan, you know, convey that we just haven't seen him convey yet. And you threw a stat out that was crazy. Dylan Gabriel is Dylan Gabriel. You put out his numbers from, you know, I, I like to say yesteryear, but his completion percentage this year against top teams is the exact same it's been in the years past so it's not like he's regressing he is who he is he's a solid quarterback who's going to win you six to eight games and maybe if he get on a hot streak and has a ton of talent on a b-tier conference he can get you eight to ten but at the university of oklahoma if he's the best we're expecting we're in trouble in terms of what our expectations are which is conference and national champions and, and, and college playoff series obviously now we can't expect that based upon what he's done for four years. So if if I know coach, back to your original question, he absolutely knows that and absolutely is going to put his team in the best position to win. And I think with the culmination of Schmitty and of course Levy and even the teammates, if 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 uh Jackson comes out there 
And I'm just telling you, he's spinning it and he's running his own routes for receivers. Let me tell you, let me tell you what'll do it. Let me tell you what'll do it, uh, Barry. Let me let me just tell you, this this will do it. Let off season start. And I just did a I just did something for some Tennessee guy, Josh Heupel's playing in the Orange Bowl, and he asked me and Antoine Savage to do an interview for him or whatever. I posted it on Twitter. But it, it resonates because Josh came in and we had never seen Josh throw the football. It's offseason. It's a random freaking Thursday. We're chilling, playing Madden or whatever the hell we're doing, college football, because we're, we're, we're on the game now. Josh says, hey, D-Mac, Antoine, Trey, Wolfo, Curtis Fagan, uh, I got some balls. Let's go throw balls. And we're all looking at each other like, what? He said, dude, you guys are going to be the guys next year, right? And we're like, uh, yeah. He's like, bet, let's go throw balls. I guarantee you DG's going to do that. Let Jackson Arnold come in and be like, hey, guys, I'm going to run my own group. Oh, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. If Jackson does that and the guys follow him and they go catch balls with him, Dylan Gabriel's days are numbered. They're numbered because that leadership component and, and you know, being the guy, the Pied Piper who people follow, it's a huge component, component of quarterback. And Dylan has shown us that's a weakness in his game. And I just have a hunch that that's going to be a strength in Jackson's game. So mm. I'll be paying close attention to what happens in the offseason. I'm going to be trying to find out who's running a faster 40, who cleaned the most, who snatched the most, because Smitty is on all that stuff. He's, he's going to show us, or I don't know about show us, but he's going to record all that and capture that data. I want to see performance-wise and talent-wise how an 18-year-old Jackson Arnold compares to a 22-year-old uh, Dylan Gabriel. You may be bet. I'd say 55-45 by week three, Jackson Arnold's the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. I, I, might, I might be with you. Uh, the, Kyle, I want to cha- change up the order a little bit. Did, did last night's game, just kind of looking at it in a vacuum a little bit, um, particularly on the defensive side of the balls, we've been kind of offensive uh, focused here. Did, did seeing anything last night change your opinion? on any any positions, any anything of need that the Sooners are going to have to go out and get? Or was the season essentially what the season was? And and most of our ideas of where the gaps are on this team are, are pretty obvious. Yeah, I think you saw a little bit more of the same. I mean, the, the front seven, it just has to get better. Um, you know, the defensive line, now let me caveat, defensive tackles, I feel like we did see some progress. You know, I think Bates definitely... Um, developed some guys as the year went on and you saw, you know, Co and Kelly definitely get a lot better. You saw Jeffrey Johnson make some big plays last night. So I, you know, I think as long as that room starts, you know, beefing up the talent, uh, I trust Bates with his resume and, and what he's done there. Defensive end just has to get better. We added Trace Ford, you know, we're talking about the Purdue kid is apparently thinking about visiting. You know, I, I think if we can add a couple guys there, you develop RMT, you can get some boosts there, but that you've got to get some extra extra bodies in there. Linebackers, um, you know, I'll give it up to Stutz. I think he played one of his best games and, you know, his really like last three or four games, I think of the season, you saw him doing a little bit better. You still see missed tackles here and there, but I think a lot of that were in the games where we're playing like 100 defensive snaps because we're not getting off the field on defense not extending drives on offense so but i i give it up to stats by you know another solid effort he was probably the best linebacker for the whole year out of that group we're calling cheeto linebacker 
Um, but we, we got to do better than uh, Aguebu at Mike. Um, maybe you get stats over there. You start rotating in guys like Kip and Kanik and, um, you know, now we'll have McCullough coming in and Cheetah or something. Um, you know, secondary, they're maybe a little far off at, at certain times, but I don't know. I, I had a buddy send me a really good snap last night. I'll leave it on one positive note that, uh, you know, it's great to see Billy Bowman um, back, you know, fully, I feel like, back from injury. He looked like the guy at the beginning of the season again. He sent me the stat that uh, Bowman was targeted once last night and recorded an interception on the play. He was Man. the only OU defensive player who didn't allow a completion percentage over 50%. So, wow! I think you've got your anchor there in the back. Maybe we can get somebody like Woody to return with him. And, you know, I think we've stockpiled that those rooms pretty well. So lean on the back end, help out the front end. Let, let's do a poll here real quick. And I'll, I'll start with you, Chris. This, this is an interesting question. I want to get everybody's opinion. If we had to, to put money on the table right now, and then Matt, I'll go to you next, is Stutzman a starting backer for OU next season? Game one or game 12? Game one. Game one, starting backer next year. Yeah, he's the starting Mike linebacker. M- Matt, what about you? Yeah, I, I I think so too. And, you know, to Kyle's point, he, he did play a really good game. Um, I'm sure going through the tape again, there'll be some plays that we can nitpick, but I thought that was his best, uh, I, I want to use the word explosive game. Uh, I thought he looked pretty sure of himself out there when earlier in the season there was a lot of hesitation. I think a lot of that's just familiarity with the, the scheme. Um, a couple weeks of just bull prep where it allowed him to focus a little bit. And I think focus is another key word for him. It's a big off season. If he can kind of get that focus uh, together, he can concentrate a little bit more on his his run fits, on his angles, on um, you know just just being that Mike backer. I think he's your starter next year, and I think say we get a portal guy in to push him. I think it'll be just enough to carry him through the season, and you're probably having a completely different conversation at the end of next year, or at least we hope. Caleb and Dmac, well, what do you guys say? Unless there's somebody hanging out in the portal that we don't know of, I know Brent mentioned they're going to take a portal backer, uh, and, you know, and yeah, I think Stutzman is right. I think that's probably your best bet. You know, he kicks in and he plays your mic position, played it well, and that allows them to play with whether it's McCullough or Kinnick, or Canick, uh, and some of those others that are, have more range, more speed at those at the Cheetah and at Will. I, I think that's the best bet. And, you know, it'll be either someone from the portal or McKenzie that can try to overtake him. And uh, I'll be surprised. I think he'll be your starter probably all year. Week one, week 12, at the end of the year, he'll be all conference. He, he uh, laid the groundwork. And by the way, I'm not saying that as no rah-rah. He laid the groundwork this year. He has volume tackles already under his belt. He's a guy who, when you're looking at how they do the accolades, he's up next. He's a returning starter. OU will win more games next year. Um I think there'll be some great quality depth behind them, but and and just also the continuity piece. He's a guy who's been in the the fray in a season like this, and like he started ascending towards the second half of the season. He will be a guy who they will look upon to be a leader. And I think if he can uh, address and handle that mental aspect of being an alpha and not first quarter making a play and like 
screaming like what the hell is that bro like it's the first quarter cool play all right go line up he's like yelling screaming that part of the game the immaturity he currently possesses he gets that out of him he's an all-conference guy next year i don't know that he's first team but but mark my words he starts game one he starts the bowl game and if we're in the playoffs there he's an all-conference player for us we have a totally i think matt said it we have a totally different conversation or light on who he is as a player and what he represents as a backer from the university of oklahoma after last night's game, one of the things I, I went back and watched, I, I did a couple little reels and, and sort of clip cutups of him when the season started. And one of the things that stood out was how often, and, and I, I challenge anybody else to go back and, and watch this, uh, particularly against Kent State. Um, there was another game in there. How often he made the play that DU was supposed to make, even if it's a tackle. 15 to 20 yards down the field, he covered ground from that other linebacker spot better than Ugwebu and was able to finish the play. I mean, some of the stuff last night he did, um, I think it was the tackle he had. It might have been on, on Jordan Travis himself where he just, he, he the angle was perfect. He came in there physical. He he wasn't in, impatient. He He played it exactly how he's supposed to play it. So, I think the depth pushing him will also make a difference. That might get him in the film room a little more, but but we will uh, we will see. Uh, Caleb, starting with you, um, freshman. Now, kind of based on what we know about the roster, um, but we have a general idea of you know who's going to be where uh, from the incoming class, and roughly we'll know a few more names here in the next couple of days of anybody else departing. Who's a freshman? in this 2023 class that you see making an impact? Oh, boy, that's a super difficult question. Oh, you know what? I, you know, as much as I want to say it's going to be a defender, I don't think it will be a defender. Uh, it's going to be difficult, right? I think Lewis Carter will, will have a chance. Uh, but with but with Desan coming in and then with, uh, with Jaron Kanick being in year two, that's going to be a difficult spot. Uh, you know what? The guy that I'll take, it's it's uh it's Petaway. Stole my answer. Oh, stole my answer. A lot of right, right. But a lot of what we talk about, like what's the team need, and you know, let's go back and watch that offense. You know, whether it's at Baylor or at UCF or Ole Miss, insert whatever school, right? Having guys that not only win one on one down the field vertically, but that you can kick that ball out to in the short game and can then pick up yards, you know, after, after the catch. I think that's an area that you wish Mims was better at. He's not great there. He's more, you know, uh, he's just not, right? It's not his bread and butter. He's more get into his route, create separation there, you know, make the catch uh, down the field. So I think, I think Petaway can do that, but I think he's a guy highly competitive, highly explosive. Uh, he's one of those guys that gets it. I think he'll, I think Petaway be a guy that plays, plays early. And, you know, what is that? Smothers one of the running backs, but I think what we saw yesterday, last night rather, shows that uh, the incoming freshman running backs are going to have to put in work to, to jump uh, guys in front of them. Chris, since he stole your answer, uh, who who you got now? All right, well, so I'm going to make stupid prediction number one on this uh, on this podcast for next year, and that's PJ Adeboire, your Big Twelve Defensive Freshman of the Year. Oh, wow. 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 I'll take it. it. I love I'll take it. it. I mean, you look at what we need last night. 
my, my, and I didn't get a chance to do a, a gripe here. This is from my, my brother who I talked to last night. He's my, he's, he's a Sooner fan. He, he just wants to know when OU is going to get a holding call on, on the opposing offensive line. That's now two different conference officials. OU can't get a holding call to save their life. He just wants to know, is there, has there been a rule change? Has it been removed? Um, but I, I think PJ Adamore not only will get sacks, he will also force holding calls. Mm, that's a big prediction. How good is OU's defense, Chris, if he is uh, freshman of the year? I think if he's freshman of the year at defensive end, I think OU's defense could support a, a nine to 10 win team. Mm. M- Matt, what about you? But freshman who's going to make an impact on this ball club next year. Well, now crystal mine. So I guess we're playing a little uh, <laughs> white elephant here. Um, you know, I, I was thinking to to Caleb's point, it's it's pretty hard to pick a defender based on the rotation this year. Uh, Brent seems to be sticking with some guys with a little bit more experience. Um, Maybe next year he can start filtering in some of these guys. You know, Vickers seems like a guy that could could play. Uh, obviously, Bowen is a top-flight talent. He might play a little bit, but um, am I cheating by going with Jackson Arnold? No. That's I, a great pick. Nope. That's a great pick. To, you know, to everything DMAC said, everything we've all talked about recently, you know, it's it's hard to to get behind Dylan Gabriel one hundred percent. Are are we faced with a situation? Uh, it's, I've mentioned it before. It's happened twice at Clemson in the last ten years when Venables was there. A stud five star freshman comes in, supplants the incumbent, and next thing you know, the program is taking a giant step forward. So, although Klubnik's not looking so great tonight. Oh, is he not? I'm, I don't really have that no, game he, on, but he he, he botched a uh, botched the play at the end of the half. They cost him a field goal, and he's not looking so great. That's well, their field goal kicker, matchup, though, that's a pretty stout matchup. And their field goal yeah. kicker earlier wasn't helping much either. I think he missed <laughs> no, three field but, goals. But I'm not yeah. sure this offensive coordinator's doing him any favors either. Yeah, <laughs> so consistent Clemson problem. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'm I'm going to go with Jackson Arnold. I know it's it's kind of cheating a little bit, but uh, I feel like he's going to be the guy, maybe even by Texas, if not earlier. Interesting, Kyle, and then uh, Dmac. Well, what do you guys say? Yeah, I think the obvious ones have pretty much been taken. I, I like. Uh, I think Caleb brought him up first. I think Vickers is a guy that, with that versatility, you know, maybe he's not coming in and grabbing a starting role early, but being in the two deep at a mul- multiple spots and waiting for the first injury. But I mean, heck, if somebody like Woody goes pro and Colton doesn't do his injury waiver, you know, you're going to have two spots on the outside. I think we'd like what we've seen out of Gentry Williams in uh, some spot duty, but Vickers just seems like a dog that's going to come in and take somebody's spot. I mean, I love the interview you guys had with him hearing a little bit more of his personality because his film and size and everything just says like, this is a guy that's going to come especially coming in spring, come get some reps in. Um, I like him, and then I really like Pedway too, but it stinks that he's not coming in until summer. 
So I think Keon Brown could be pushing for some wide receiver You're snaps. I'm gonna pick half of the recruiting class. I got pictures. You go off, you go off Mike Brown. Because I know he's your boy. You've been you've been on him all year. Nah, finish your thoughts, bro. I'm just saying you pick like four people though. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think Baker's a brown. These guys are naming off every freshman we got pretty much. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll stick with my Vickers pick. I think he's a guy that I, you know, we, we started multiple corners, you know, until Colden finally kind of took over that spot opposite Woody. Um, so I could see maybe some slight rotation where Vickers is starting at cornerback at some point next year. So to, to interrupt just quickly, um, while we've been talking, the Under Armour game practices has been going on. Uh, Jackson Arnold is the best looking quarterback. And PJ Adebore, uh, is has apparently looked unbelievable. They think he's going to be a mismatch for offensive linemen in the game. Mm. Nice. And I There's even saw a, a tweet on said, Twitter. So yeah. now we just proved two of you guys as picks. There you go. Well, there's a clip on Twitter of PJ just running a drill. I think he's like the fastest player in this drill. And I swear you're like, is that son of a bitch bounding? Like it, it, he is so explosive when he runs, he just explodes step by step. You know, some guys like myself, you run, it looks like you're carrying, you know, red paint with you. That guy runs and it's, he's just explosive doing nothing. It's insane. I, uh, I, I think Chris, I can see a world where as a, as a pass rusher only, right. Just, Hey, we're going to play him. It's pure passing down, get PJ in, you know, win with speed on the outside. That guy have four or five sacks next year, you know, playing. 25 maybe of the snaps just because maybe didn't. maybe trace ford and pj are giving us the the fourth quarter pass rush we need to protect the lead yeah hey we'll you know see, what? i like it there's something I to like be it. said for the reality that last year that was the difference in how oklahoma closed games out when they were ahead teams to drive down and get three or seven or whatever it was was really difficult because it, the odds were if it was passing down and they knew they had to pass it benito would those guys would pin their ears back and just make a play. Now, if you, if you can run it, playbook's open, no. But, you know, that was a big part of the closing games out last year for that team where guys like Benito and Winfrey just being able to, you know, rush the pass. Well, Thomas, Thomas, those yeah, three Thomas. guys all made, yeah. I mean, and this year, we just, you know, we have, there's no rotation, right? There's, there's nobody getting to the quarterback at the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so I'm going to say my freshman now, which, by the way, you guys are right. Uh, the D-line is driven me crazy. I've lost, like, two more inches of my hairline trying to get those guys to get to a quarterback. <laughs> uh, seriously. Uh, you got to go with Brown. Listen, guys, Brown is a guy who's going to be a quarterback's best friend because he's not just a slant fade guy, which I think Petaway is going to be a, a better – I mean, whatever. I don't want to slight Mims, but he's going to be a Mims, Westbrook, right – uh, who's another example, Hollywood type guy. We want to get him isolated, put him in a position to get a step and he's running away. The quarterback just throws it away from coverage and he can leave people. I think right. Petway is going to be really good at that, but Brown is going to get busy. Brown's going to run your dig routes. Brown's going to be messing around with safeties and slot and uh, overhangs and stuff. And not like a, not like a Y, but like a Z who plays like Shep, Shep and like, and like Broyles, but a bigger version. That's the kind of explosion and his ability to just find openings that I've seen in film. I'm like, wait a minute. And when he went to camp, he went to camp and I was asking like, guys, he was like back. He's not just running posts and fades and running away from people. He has a route tree 
and he's got strong hands. So he shows off those strong hands and he runs those intermediate routes, which by the way, those are the funnest routes in football. Those intermediate says the guy who's not going to run away from too many people, but I love running routes where you just end up where they aren't. And he's a guy who I think will be able to do both. It sounds crazy, guys, but it might be a scenario where Petaway is the X and 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 Brown is the Z. It'll be interesting to see. I have not seen Petaway show me the class of route tree that Brown has shown me. Doesn't mean he can't. Doesn't mean he obviously we watched you guys are showing the Twitter tapes of what he's doing now in the offseason, but that ain't the same as in the games. Brown's doing that shit in the games. He's doing it like he has a natural feel for where to be. And when that ball is there, he goes and gets it. So I think Brown is a guy. I don't think we have anyone on our team like Brown. So I think that's why Brown qualifies as a guy who immediately comes in and offers something that our coaches don't currently have. Farouk is a Z. And by the way, I love Farouk. He reminds, he's got a little MC in him. He's a tough guy with the ball in his hands. He's like a semi-running back. But I think Anderson and Gibson are both X's. Like clear-cut X's. I don't think they have the body makeup or kind of the change of direction in traffic to be a Z. And I think, I think Brown offers that with a huge plus size body. And then you just move Farouk to H. You just put him in a slot and let him get busy. Obviously, Stoops is coming back. So that depth is always going to be great. But man, you slide him in the Z. And then you let, you know, obviously he's got to go compete and, and, and earn the job. You got those trees, Anderson. And, and I keep hearing how great Anderson is. You slide him in the X. Farouk's is getting busy. By the way, Without the Y, there are years where we go four wide. We may go without a Y a lot of times, unless they're in the block, and we just put another receiver on the field. So there's a lot of versatility in how we can address, because Willis is going to be a huge miss. Not having Willis is going to hurt us. He's a leader. He's a stud. He's got nuts, right? He's a guy who's been around the program a ton. Uh, but one of the answers to that question is, you know, put an additional receiver in a slot. And I know that's not Levy's offense per se, so it'll be interesting to see. How things get done. Sign me up for Brown. Sign me up for PJ. Chris, I'm all over that, man. I'm I'm we need a guy who can go win. We've talked about it all freaking year. Mm. And I also think the Vickers, since you guys picked three, I'll say three. Vickers. Um I'll that all I think I think we all agree that we are like championship caliber talent at, at corner and safety now. Like the amount of dudes we have, no one's even talking about 26 who just came back for the bowl game and got some snaps. By the way, guys, he looks like a freaking avatar playing corner, right? Yep. I kind of think Woody feels like there's going to be a ton of pressure. I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. And I honestly, as much as I like Woody, I don't think that's a terribly bad thing. We've got the talent behind him to keep going. And I think we've got better talent, like more higher ceiling talent behind him. We didn't um, mention Kendall Dolby was not a freshman. Exactly. Which, by the way, he's penciled in to be a starter. By the way, put some, they, put some respect on Gentry Williams, gentlemen. I, that's I, what I'm saying. The, first, the further he gets away from that knee injury, like he, he's just gonna get, he just continue go. to get better. That's the point. There's so are we allowed going. to have Bowman, multiple talented Bowman. guys compete? <laughs> They're talking about Harrington's gonna get a Scully next year. Like, there's 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 a ton of guys, and I, and I think it's gonna be good for competition. But I, you slide Brown in Z, and I, I have I don't even know if the coaches are considering him. He may be an X all day and twice on Sunday. But I, based on his film, you put him as Z. We don't have another. He is a Georgia Z, Georgia the last four years, and I'm and and 
That's what you want. Six three can move, change of direction, strong hands. You can ISO him, but he can also. George Pickens is not a bad physical comp, you know. I don't. I actually don't disagree. Hundred percent. Anyway, uh, what's yours, B? I want to hear yours. I'm. You guys are, are picking the easy ones, so I'm. I'm going to already pat myself on the back and say nobody saw Gavin Freeman as somebody who was going to, yeah, maybe not as make make as big of an impact as I thought he I like might. Four balls, bro. I know. Kind of like four balls, bro. But but he got into the lineup. I'm going to give you guys one. And I think this is because he is going to he's going to know his assignments. I've done my due diligence on this guy. Florida kid. He's going to know his assignments. He's got strong hands. He's going to get in the weight room and I think he's going to really change his body in a positive way. And have some serious strength. I don't know, you know, maybe we'll find out what OU exactly wants to do with him, but guy's got a great attitude. I'm going with Marcus Strong. I actually think I don't know if game one he is in the rotation, but I have a feeling that he is going to, with the depth that is needed across that defensive front, and he seems like he might have a little bit of flexibility in where he could play. I'm going Marcus Strong as a guy who is not necessarily an, an elite guy on the team. He's not going to be your PJ or your Vickers or the, that kind of high ceiling, but a guy who has steady impact and sees some snaps. Sign me up for Marcus Strong. Wow. Nuts That's a bold on the move. It's a bold move. It's <laughs> yeah. a bold move, Cotton. That's a I'm steak not sure. Move. That's a steak move. That's a, oh, yeah, 100%. And, and, and sign me up. Uh, speaking of putting you guys on the spot, let, let's do it right now. We saw the product of Team 128. We, we saw what they are at, at their best, saw what they are at their worst. This team next year, just given the roster changes that we know have taken place already, starting with you, DMAC, what is this team's record and we we don't have the schedule in front of us, so you know some of this might change. We don't know what the Big Twelve is going to be looking like in terms of schedule. We should know s- sooner rather than later. What is OU's record next season? This is a hot take, but I just think based upon uh, expectations, we can't have more than two losses going into the bowl game. So I think it's a ten win season. I think it has to be a ten win season. By the way, NC puts us right back where we need to be at one echelon below Alabama, um, you know, Georgia. It really does. We're right there with Ohio State. Ohio State's going to get their ass kicked tomorrow, and, and they're a finesse team ever since they came to be the head coach. But we'll be right there with a 10-win season. We're right neck and neck with Clemson. We get to 10 wins, no ugly losses, going into the bowl game, uh, conference championship, playing for the conference championship. By the way, we if we do less than that, I will be terribly, terribly, terribly disappointed unless we have a ton of injuries and you know some unknowns that happen over the course of the season. Caleb and Kyle. All right. So this hot take or not, I mean, records are a byproduct of what your schedule is, like first kind of the foundation of it. I'm gonna say they're gonna be eleven and two next year. And that's you know. That's probably people are like, oh, you know, they were six and seven. How are they going to be 11 and two? Reality is, like everybody knew this, right? Coming out of uh, 2021, they could have been a five loss team. It was that close. I think this team is that close as well. And the thing is, they've already 
at least defensively, they are better today going into the offseason than they were at any point last year. Adding Ford, adding, I mean, let me ask you guys a question. Did was Jalen Redmond missed yesterday? Like were you were a moment where you're like, man, if we had Jalen Redmond, we'd be dominating this game. I don't mean Great that as a point. shot at the kid. Who's I just, point? you know, exactly, right? Uh, it's like at no point you're like, oh, man, if we had Jalen Redmond on the field, we'd be winning this game. Uh, so it's not – I don't think it's a huge loss there. You've got the kid from Notre Dame coming over, hard-nosed. He'll give you reps. He knows how to play. Uh, and the other part of that is the Big 12 is going to be down. Oklahoma State, mass exodus, mm-hmm. right? TCU, they going to replace awful. like – Right, and TCU, you're replacing a ton of kids – uh, and replacing a quarterback that had an all-timer type season. Uh, Texas, you saw what that looked like without, you know, two NFL running backs in the field. Uh, it's just, I mean, a lot, everybody's going to be replacing a bunch. Oklahoma is close. They've already gotten better in the portal defensively with Trace Ford, with Desan McCullough, with Pearson at safety. That kid, he's going to be a guy that gets reps and plays. He's going to help guys like Peyton Bowen. He's going to make Bowman better playing next to him. Uh, you know, there are a few more pieces here and there in the portal, which they're lining up to get, right? There's an offensive lineman here, a receiver there of being, I mean, they're right there. Uh, it will be, you know, probably a lot of hard fought games, but Houston, they're not world beaters. UCF and Gus Malzon, no, not really. Cincinnati, new coach. Mass exodus of players. They're not coming and going to thump on anybody. BYU's quarterback, he's going to the NFL. It, it's, a, it's a league Oklahoma should win. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, to back you up a little bit, you know, as far as like we've talked about, last year's team was closer to three or four losses than they actually had. This year's team's closer to eight or nine wins than we actually had. You know, looking at even ESPN's SP+. We were ranked 20th going into bowl season, right amongst a whole bunch of eight and nine win teams. You know, it's the data supports what this team has done is just finishing the game out. You know, the last four losses this year were all by three points. It's that, you know, missed drive where we had the holding call or had the misalignment and we took a touchdown off the board and kicked the field goal that, you know, we missed. Or it's the defensive drive that you just need one stop get the ball back and we couldn't do it you know that like all those players you listed i think are what get those over the hump and you know changes the story of not only this season to where when yeah people don't want to have a bunch of sunshine pumped up their ass to <laughs> lack of a better term you know oh these guys are projecting 10 or 11 wins it's like well if you take it in that context it's really only a one or two game improvement based off the numbers but because we couldn't finish this year you know, this team looks worse than it really was. So, yeah, I'm in that 9-10 range. I want to see, you know, what the schedule looks like. I want to see what the full roster looks like. But I think we're right there. If you put it at 9.5, I think you'd have people really getting nervous about what side of the coin they want to get on. I'll I'll be Mr. Pessimistic tonight, and I'll say 9-3, and three, um, just until I, I can see us ready to get those, you know, final – winning plays done. I think a lot of that rests on our quarterback. I just have yet to see him make winning plays and winning moments. So maybe if we hand those reins over, we'll be, we'll be getting up to that double digit win total. But um, I know Brent comes from the old school camp. We saw how long it took Dabo to 
change hands of the freshman quarterback taking over. So give me nine wins with hoping for double digits. Matt, what are you thinking? Uh, I think I'm I'm kind of going to stick with Kyle here at nine and three. Um, you know, he brought up some good points. Uh, what? Who's the quarterback? What's going to happen? Uh, I saw a stat earlier, uh, just kind of looking at that to confirm it. But uh, Dylan Gabriel was 0-5 in one-score games this year. Um, that doesn't Brother. really instill a lot of confidence. Damn. That's bad. Yeah, that's, that's real bad. Right? Um, so, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I think Jackson Arnold's going to take the reins. I, I don't know if it's going to be right away. Uh, um, so you might have an early loss or two kind of before some changes happen. Um, and that kind of, I'm going to parlay that into another thought I had. You know, this season, we all kind of went back and forth a couple times uh, in the group chat a little bit on the board, you know, were there some things that Venables could have done on the field coaching wise, a little different, like play some of the younger guys earlier. Is he going to adjust a little bit next season, knowing that if he doesn't get to nine or 10 wins, it's going to get real hot. Or is he going to kind of change it up a little bit, open it up a little bit, get some more of that talent on the field. I think that's the difference between say, a nine-win season and competing for a Big 12 title. Although I say that Kansas State got into the Big 12 championship this year at nine and three. So, you know, maybe we're right at that level next year, kind of knocking on the door of of really competing for a New Year's Six Bowl. Chris, you are deep into the recruiting trenches. You know a lot about the personnel coming in. Uh, well, what does this team ultimately get accomplished next year? Well, I think the biggest thing to pull out of the the bowl game was that the future O line and future running backs look good, right? We we that that was sort of the biggest personnel loss with the loss of Morris and, and Harrison. So I think the O line looks good, the running back position looks good, and I think there's enough talent that either redshirted or barely played last year, and enough talent enrolling early on defense, and I think. If we had just one or two more pieces from the portal, I think the defense can't be worse, right? I don't think it can be worse. So I think we're looking at, I think the difference between nine and three, eight and four, and um, the predictions of a Big 12 championship is, is, is what happens at quarterback. Is it, does Jackson Arnold take over? Things get a little, it takes a little while for things to get going, but by the end of the year, we're just clicking. Or does Jackson Arnold push Dylan Gabriel to be something we haven't seen before yet? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hedge my bet at nine and three with two running backs going over a thousand yards. Man, I, I think that's a fantastic point on the quarterback, you know, play of the the whole situation. I think that's where the kind of that point in which is this team successful and do they achieve their goals or is it another failed season? I think either way, we can say with pretty good confidence that quarterback play will be better. And I say that with two reasons. One, Jackson with NFL potential, a a guy who's going to, he projects to be a a big-time player, he's either going to push DG 
to work on his craft, to get a little bit better in those areas he needs to improve. And I think it's also fair for D to, to say in DG's behalf, if he does improve some of the stuff over the middle, if they can get into a little bit more offense and he can focus on some of the things, some of the areas that he really struggles with, hone in on those. If he can improve those, OU is a better offense. The thing is, is will he be able to? But either way, I, I think post, post that concussion took away a little bit of his run game. It it, it did. We knew we, had no, we knew we had no one behind him, right? We had nobody behind him. It, it did, but he doesn't do much for me in, in the run game stuff. I just but don't I, know. But if I he's think he can get enough. some of those. Somebody he can push some of those first downs, and now with Jackson behind him, he can maybe maybe he takes more of those running game risks. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I think it's fair to say either way they're going to be better because either he improves or the heat is going to get really hot. Come game two, game three. I just saw that someone just posted a stat on his in our chat. <laughs> one and eleven in his career in one score games. And I'm sorry, at OU, that is just unacceptable. That Nate Hibble was better than that. Paul Thompson, who switched to wide receiver, was better than that. Just because Paul was thrown to the wolves, if you will doesn't mean that OU lowered the expectations of what they want at quarterback play. Paul was just able to do some things elite that that Dylan can't do. And Dylan doesn't have those elite traits in his game. Whereas Jackson is going to offer offer you something. And I think we've seen it all around college football. That is the difference in teams winning championships or not you look at the playoff and you look at teams that have had solid quarterback play it's not a coincidence that the better quarterback play michigan has gotten the further they've gone and the more impressive they've looked and and that's been something since harbaugh had luck he's really not found that until this year this year they've got a little more diversity on offense and they've got a nasty ground game that really gets after you uh, before we get out of here, uh, the, we're about to get to the uh, CFP just real quick. I want to ask you guys, who do we have playing in the game and who do we have winning the natty? Chris, I'll start with you. Michigan, Georgia, Michigan. Ooh, oh, all right. How about you, uh, Matt? Oh. I, I think Michigan and Georgia as well, um, but just just kind of looking at the numbers, I think. Georgia just it they've got the line on both sides of the ball. They've got the experience. They've got the better quarterback. I think Georgia's gonna uh repeat for the first time since I think 2011. Is is Bama the last one to do it about 10 or 11 years ago? 11, 12, yeah. yep. 11, 12. Yeah, no one in the CFP has repeated. Mm, you're right. Yeah. Because yeah, the Bama Clemson, they traded. Yeah. Wow. Kyle, what about you? Yeah, I'm going chalk. It's going to be Georgia over Michigan <laughs> for me. It's boring, but uh, I, I'll, I'll root for good games. I just don't see any upsets on this one. There you go, Caleb, and then we'll uh, finish it up with D-Mac and myself. So Georgia, Michigan. I think I hear I hear folks trying to make a case for TCU. I think it's a total fandom case when you look at like who they've been, who they are, how they match up, right? Which, like Kansas State kind of. Beat on them. 
uh, both games they had, and, and you look at like what Michigan is. And then I'm going to be a hypocrite because I'm going to go total fandom here. I'm going to say Michigan beats uh, beats Georgia somehow. I, I don't know how. Uh, it'll be an interesting game, I think, because uh, I mean Stetson Bennett is an interesting case for how you can be a good college quarterback, but not necessarily a, a high pro prospect. Uh, but maybe in that game, it'll be you know Michigan having a slight edge at quarterback. So going to pull for Michigan, hoping we don't get. Uh, Another another dynasty rolling off here, like we just you know are kind of in the midst of still, I guess, with Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Damian, what do you think? Anybody but Georgia, give me good games. Um, I love good quarterback play. I love good offense. I also love defenses. I take away what your first priority is and what you do. So watching that TCU game, it's going to be interesting to see how TCU attacks Michigan's run. Are they going to play with a half man high or, you know, one high? It's going to be interesting to see what they do, because if they if they stop them there, Michigan is not very multiple passing. They've got a you know, they got a mobile quarterback and, and Harbaugh knows how to run some some great level stuff over the middle and on the sidelines. But I, I think Michigan wins, but I think T, it'll be interesting to see how Michigan addresses TCU speed. Let's not hate ourselves on offense. TCU has guys who are going to play on Sunday. So anyone but Georgia. Give me good games. Um, I don't know if you made me pick. Sheesh. I don't want Ohio State. So give me Michigan. You know, mm. give me Harbaugh's a Cali guy. Give me Michigan. And, uh, you know, I don't really care, brother. Oh, you're not in it. Oh, <laughs> you're <laughs> right. not in it. And, you know, yeah. my friends, if, if Tennessee was playing, I'd be all over that. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm interested Stetson, to see. I'm interested would to see. Stetson but, Bennett but, versus McCarthy be the worst? quarterback matchup thus far in a college football final. I mean, from an NFL talent hate. basis? Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a stud college quarterback, though. I like well, it. Yeah, as a college I do, too. Who, who was the guy that Alabama, when they beat Clemson that one year? He was a transfer. Coker. From, Jacob Coker. Jacob the Florida Coker State guy. Was. Yeah, the yeah. Florida State guy. Yeah. And he won a national title. Holy shit. Well, that <laughs> roster wasn't exactly yeah. hard to lead very, very, very far. Yeah, yeah. Was that a... Was that, what is the massive running back that looks like a yeah. like an action figure? Yeah, and OJ uh, Howard Henry. at tight end. Derek, yeah, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry at running yeah. back. Yeah, and then OJ Howard at tight end, and they still had to, some of those wide receivers were young. It's just yeah. You don't want to know something crazy about Bennett though? His quarterback rating this year is one hundred and fifty four point two. Dylan Gabriel's is one hundred and fifty four point four. When everybody say so on three, one, two, three. No. It's just amazing. That, like, right. He's Dylan invited Gabriel, to New York. Dylan Gabriel with, wins 11 games behind that Georgia defense. Yeah, 100%. but it's just like, yeah, he gets invited to New York throwing 20 touchdown passes and six interceptions because of his defense. Like, Well, throwing a Brock Bowers is just wide open, you know, 20 yeah. yards down. The Bennett, hey. Good. I've seen Bennett go out there with Georgia what, what needed would, plays, and he's made it. He's made plays. Yeah, I think that's what I'll I've dig into. Him his feet too. We, we saw the drop off of DG on third down. I'll have. I'll be curious to see what uh, Bennett looks like by each down because I bet nailed it. I bet, it, he's, a, I bet he's a good third gonna, down quarterback. That's what I was going to say. It's like I feel like in, and it's just this way, right? Like it's that way in in the NFL, and I think playoffs. But how many big plays? Way. How many situational football? They've been they've been in what have they been in a three point game this year? Gosh, uh, 
Yeah, they well, I mean, every one. game starts tight, right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that when people are talking about what's well, going to be a close first half. Yeah, well, it starts out zero zero, jerk. Like, of course, it's going to be close in the first quarter. You know, you can't score thirty points, and you know they don't give thirty points for the first we, touchdown. We, we saw the Bama OU game with where Kyler had to come back from down twenty eight nothing at the first quarter. So in the first quarter, uh, so, they you know they struggled at Missouri. I remember that game. That was a That's gross right. game. They couldn't run the ball. I think right. No twenty six twenty two final in that one. Okay, and that's not a great Missouri team. I will say yeah. this though, to like the point about the the lines, and I mentioned this in our group chat. Whenever like Tarquin uh, and some of the Florida players hit the portal, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch that film." Like, do not watch that film if you're a USC fan. Because the first thing you say is like, "We're getting that guy," uh, because Georgia has some dudes on their defensive line. I'll be so interested to see because Michigan played them last year. You know. Uh, I really want to see that game again and see if Michigan, you know, sometimes having been in there, you know, and filling those guys out, maybe they maybe they play that that a little bit better. And, and Michigan's offensive line, really good. I think their center won every award an offensive lineman can win this year. Yeah, I mean it's it's good on good. Like that's that's the matchup that you know NFL guys want to watch, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, well for. Before no, we close ahead. it, go I ahead, want man. to propose one question to everybody. If there's one, if you were Brent Venables, and there was one thing that you would do different in 2023, what would that be? I think mine is play the talent. I mean, if a guy is more talented than the other guy, and you think he can make some plays to win a game, play that guy. That that's mine, Chris. What what's yours? Trust your DC and be more focused in and mm-hmm. uh, game management and, and guiding Levy through how you want the game called. I like that, Kyle. What about you? Yep, I was going to say, get a DC that you can hand the reins over to. It's time to be more of a CEO and less of a DC. You've got to you've got to be on the mic if your offensive coordinator's doing too much tempo. You got to be more ready with your timeout. So. If that's replacing him, if that's having more of the position guys like Bates, Valai, Hall, somebody step up and kind of be more of a co-DC, but he's got to be more of a head coach, less of a DC. Caleb, thoughts? God, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know the formula, but it's the, it's, it's that, right? I don't know if it's getting a DC, you know, a different DC, or if it's just being more of a micromanager, whatever that is, I think. The one thing you can look at, it is the in-game management of the offensive tempo and how that, you know, plays out. I think you can, if you want to, which he talked about all the time, right? Wanting to play complimentary football, winning special teams, winning on winning field position. And like talked about Bill Snyder doing those things. And if you remember like when Snyder came back and K-State had that real big talent deficiency, yet they still were co-Big 12 champions. That's what they did. They milked the clock and they limited other teams' possessions, played situational football, stayed in front of the chains. Don't know if you have to go full on that for all 60 minutes, but in those moments where, you know, maybe for the third quarter or in moments that needed to occur throughout the year, the uh, all gas, no break, you know, led to a few few times I'm going off the tracks. All right. And Damien, uh, uh, you, you played offense under a 
defensive coach. I'd like to get your thoughts, and then we'll go to Barry after that, and Barry can wrap this thing up. Man, I'm going to go a different angle, guys. I hope BV goes full cheat mode, money bags, under the table, <laughs> willing and dealing. Didn't, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I think didn't he, he could have – the thing with last year, it was the timing of it all, right? Yeah, like watching – yeah, watching like some of these these other guys that are playing on teams, like man, it'd be nice if Oklahoma would have had that guy. It's like, oh yeah. well, he had already committed like Penix last night in Washington, and I know he was going to follow his offensive coordinator to Washington, but he committed like I think mm-hmm. December fourth or something you last year. You Penix, yikes! Oh my gosh, we're right? we're ninety three yeah. this year, easy. I answer is oh, game yeah. management. In game management, he's got to be a better CEO. I'll say it. He needs to fire a coach and get a DC and. Let that DC run the defense. He it can be a disciple. He can, you know, DC's. I mean, uh, Coach V is a higher within guy. So it it'd be a a, a hall or you know a co promotion with a lion hall something like that. Um, but he he needs to he he's gonna have to do a much better job next year as being the head ball coach. And that that applies to like you guys all alluded to, man. Time management, timeouts, you know running the no huddle versus when it's appropriate to do so. Um, and really just in, in working the refs. I think there are times where we get bad calls or, you know, we don't get a makeup call or we get a bad spot. And and there's a lot to that mm. psycho- psychology of that part of the game where coaches know how to work refs so that those calls come in their favor down the road. We missed a ton of that. By the way, we missed that yesterday. We got hoes all up and down the field. Spots, in that regard, spots left and right. Yeah, oh, brother, all season with spots, but yeah, they killed us with spots last night too. But uh, you know, year one, I think he came in wanting to be a a field a field general. You know, year two, he's got to go back and, and and stand behind the scenes and really make sure he's deploying the guys to do what they need to do. One hundred percent. That's my piece. And, and, and we need the money bags. We need more money bags. Just, Agreed you know. on that. And I think it's going to come down to. I know we're saying management, but. It's just more about being organized. I think he's got to figure out a way to organize himself. And we've heard things, but organize himself when it comes to who's doing what, who's paying attention to that clock, who's saying, hey, you know, we got deep shots here. Who, who is who is calling things so he doesn't have so much on his plate? Who is Who is telling him? where they need to go, what direction they need to take at certain moments, you know, who's paying attention to the play clock, who's paying attention to the game clock, who's all of that stuff. When you're managing an entire team and you're a guy who loves defense, I I could imagine that it is a, it's probably hard for him to take a, a step back because he is so entrenched in that world that that is a difficult step. And I've read some stuff on, on Bob, he had to kind of work on that a little bit um, and, and other guys in the past. And I think it is easier to do it on offense because offense is a much more cerebral, more calculated um, type of approach, whereas defense is so emotional and so much is bent on it is is sort of it it matters how the game feels, you know, well, what stage you are at the game. It, it's just a different type of, of thing to, uh, to call and orchestrate. And I think he's going to have to find that balance. And I, I think the, the talk about the refs is a, uh, is a good one. And uh, before we close out, you guys went chalk. I'm going TCU, Georgia, by the way. You guys are 
all all boring. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, TCU is going to get it done against Michigan. That is my pick. No. Yes, it's fandom. What we will see. But I, I think Georgia still wins. Georgia does the the back-to-back. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. But you know how to really win? You guys know? You subscribe to 360.com. Hey, there you go. You go to Sooners360.com. You sign up for that VIP membership. <laughs> that is how you get it done. Go to Sooners360 right now. Everybody you heard talking here today is on there. We're active on the site, plus a ton of other people from the OU community, whether it's Twitter, other boards in the past. We've got everybody over there. You all don't want to miss it. We are diving deep into the X's and O's, the analytics, the the training, the mental, the psychological, every which way you can approach or talk about the game of football or track and field or softball, all of it. We have got you covered at Sooners 360. Make sure that if you're not, you're following the Sooners 360 Twitter. It is at Sooners 360. Also, go follow the Barry and Mac show at Barry and Mac SHW. We're bringing you stuff all the time. Well, guys, thank you all for listening <laughs> so much to the Sooners 360 Roundup. It has been an awesome year. We got stuff coming for you in the offseason. Make sure you're tuning in, and we will see you soon. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.